You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hello there, listener. Thank you so much for joining me for episode number 105. Today, it's just you and me. I don't have a guest. I'm going to be talking about something that's been on my heart lately and sharing it with you, and maybe it will resonate with you as something that you've experienced too. I want to ask the question, do you ever act as if you think being busy makes you more valuable? Does checking boxes or being prolific make you a better person? Well, if you've ever wondered about that, today is for you. I talk a lot about productivity, and I'm a person who always has a lot of projects and dreams. But while I was on a walk recently, I was listening to something I heard on a podcast, and I don't even know exactly what it was. I just pulled out my phone and typed a quick note to come back to. Sometimes it would be so easy to set productivity as something to desire so much that productivity becomes the pursuit in itself. And I talk a lot about goals and productivity on this show, so I think this is a good place to pause and say it could become our ultimate goal to produce rather than to find real meaning. And yes, I have days of complete overwhelm in my life, lots of them. But then there are days when I think I have it all together and everything is manageable. And this makes me think and and really reflect and try to decide, is the overwhelm something that still has meaning or has it just become putting productivity above everything else and it doesn't really have any meaning anymore? Allow me to take a little detour here and then we'll come back to this. Perhaps you've heard of the concept of the prosperity gospel. It's a way of thinking that is promoted by some teachers, and they say that God wants us to be wealthy and healthy. Let me be clear, it's a false narrative supported only by taking some snippets of scripture out of context and then pasting them together into this idea that God rewards us with prosperity if we just have enough faith. It leaves people who experience hardship after wholeheartedly following Christ with all kinds of questions about what they did, quote, wrong, because they're wondering why they're not experiencing the health and the wealth of that gospel. Now, this is an attractive model because who doesn't want to be rich and healthy? But it's also dangerous because God doesn't promise us that. It's called a gospel because gospel means good news. It's really warped good news because it replaces the good news of the grace and forgiveness that we find in Jesus, and it replaces it with something different. Now, let me bring up a different concept that I think can be just as dangerous. I'm going to call it the productivity gospel. I know I'm not the first person to come up with that expression. If you Google it, you're going to see it out there. But these are my thoughts on the concept. How much do we measure our worth by what we do? And how often do you ask yourself if you're doing enough? I think it's the reason why when someone asks us how we're doing, the first thing we mention is how busy we are. Someone says, how are you doing? And it's like, oh, I've just been, life's been nuts lately. Isn't that just the typical expression? I do it myself all the time. The prosperity gospel says, fill every moment. Always be doing. Feel guilty for resting. You're good if you produce. Your level of productivity demonstrates your commitment. You must measure up to others and all sorts of other things on the list of what the productivity gospel says. 
somewhere along my life, I've grown to believe that being unproductive is a bad word. And sometimes unproductive equals being, just being. I grew up in a culture of work ethic where it wasn't really all that cool to be caught sitting around. Uh, For those of you who grew up on a farm, you know that farm kids don't just sit around. I want to give a caveat. My parents were good parents. (laughs) It was just a farm and we had a lot of work to do. But in my culture and at home, we took Sabbath almost to a place of legalism. And again, I don't hold my parents responsible. This was our church culture that we lived in. We rested and we napped on Sundays. And the only work we did was the farm chores that had to be done. But Sundays were a day where you could read books and you could lie around after we finished our big dinner after church. But I've learned that that type of Sabbath isn't a gospel either because there's there were so many rules around it about like, what can we do on the Sabbath? What can't we do on the Sabbath? So let's talk about solutions and balance and putting all of this into perspective. Productivity is not bad, but it isn't the gospel. I'm currently reading a good book, but it almost implies that success is a hustle that includes sleep deprivation, pushing your limits, and learning to live with the stress of all of that. And I say there's an in-between. I don't think we have to be always hustling, always pushing. Rather than defining ourselves by how much we do, let's take a different approach that helps us know if productivity has become our new gospel. So these are three questions that we can ask ourselves that will help us to begin that evaluation of asking if productivity is my gospel. The first question is, what is my motivation? The second, and I'm going to come back to these in a second and go in them a little more detail. The second question is, how often am I willing to pause productivity to be with people? And third, what is the cost of my drive to produce? So first, why am I driven? What is my why? This leads to more questions, I know, answering questions with questions, but these are the questions that come to mind. Are you trying to prove something to others? Is that your why? Are you just doing stuff with no real purpose? Are you addicted to the adrenaline of productivity without real purpose? As a highly productive person, I do find myself adrift sometimes and doing busy work that doesn't propel me anywhere, but I also have figured out my sweet spot for when my pace needs to change. Others don't always get to see that part, and they may assume that I'm burning myself out, and there are times where I have full-on meltdowns, but I'm not burned out. They see the sprints, but they don't really see where I take time to stroll and where I take time to rest, and sometimes I am sleep-deprived, but I catch up and I make time for the things that are on my priority list as well. So even though I hustle, it's not always to the point of burnout. By working in my sweet spots and resting in between, I can get so much more accomplished because I also schedule that slower time. My schedule appears very full, but it doesn't mean I'm at a fiery pace or a flurry pace all the time. Even with a purpose in mind, I can get out of focus sometimes. If you value productivity, I invite you to join me in asking what motivates you. If it's someone else's approval, that could be a red flag. The second question was, How often am I willing to pause productivity to be with people? This helps me to measure how healthy my drive is. 
yes, there are times when I need to tell family members that I have a deadline or I can't do the thing I've been invited to do with a friend. I have boundaries I have to in order to get the things done that are really important. But it's also important to be able to email a friend, meet a mentee for lunch, offer advice to a protege, serve as a leader somewhere, have supper with the family and all of those things. Those people moments are important. Even with that, yes, I have to have boundaries. There are times I can't answer that email to a friend right now. But I know if time keeps going on and I don't get around to connecting with people, that is a flag for me. People moments are important. So if we've made productivity our gospel, the relationships suffer. Why? Because it sometimes becomes easy to rationalize that I'm doing a good thing, so the suffering is justified. So I might rationalize that it's okay to sacrifice those relationships with people because I'm getting done the things that God has, quote, called me to do. But even with a calling, it's so important to know that if I lose a connection with the people who mean the most, then the finished project also means nothing. So that's a question to ask yourself about relationships. Are you willing to pause productivity to be with people? The last one is, what is the cost of my drive to produce? If you aren't sure what the cost is, some of your family members might be able to help you out with that info because they know the cost even more than you do. Sometimes we try to ignore the cost and we tell ourselves that it's not costing anything. But here are some of the things that my family would maybe answer over the years and some other things that I've added in there. One cost is being so tired that I'm impatient. Or there could be the financial burden of purchasing more tools and apps and gadgets and all the things that I need, taking courses and whatever is involved in accomplishing a goal. There are rules and regulations for my systems sometimes in how I get things done that are so tight that they don't always offer grace and flexibility to the people around me. That's a cost on relationships. Marriage conflict can be a cost. Sleep deprivation is a big cost. Giving up hobbies and things I enjoy is a cost. And there's so many more. That's just the beginning. I want you to think about what is the cost of your drive to produce. Of course there is a cost, but we have to think about whether that cost is too high or whether it's about right. So the goal is to ask what is your motivation? How often are you willing to pause productivity to be with people? And what is the cost of your drive to produce? Now, you'll find your sweet spot when you have clear motivation, when you still make time for the people who matter, and when you've counted the cost without overspending. And that's, again, not only financial, but that's on time and energy and focus and all of those things. Now, let's look at a resource for you as you think about how to make sure that productivity does not become your false gospel and that it is something that is balanced out. Today's resource is one from my wish list, so it isn't one that I've read yet, but I have appreciated every book that Michael Hyatt has written, so I'm definitely looking forward to when I can read this one, which is by Michael Hyatt and his daughter, Megan Hyatt Miller. And this book is called Win at Work and Succeed at Life, Five Principles to Free Yourself from the Cult of Overwork. When we fall into the productivity gospel, it isn't just in the big office career type things. It can also be even in our hobbies and in the wish list of pursuits that we have. So I don't want you to get too distracted by the title win at work. It really is about thinking about our time and how we use it. 
Here's a little bit of the description from the book. It says, great leaders are driven to win, yet career wins can come at a cost to your health, relationships, and personal well-being. Why does it seem impossible to both win at work and succeed at life? Michael Hyatt and Megan Hyatt Miller know we can do better because he's seen it in his more than four decades as a successful executive and a loving and present husband and father. Today, Michael and his daughter Megan Hyatt Miller coach leaders to live the double win. Backed by scholarly research from organizational science and psychology and illustrated with eye-opening case studies from across the business spectrum and their own coaching clients, Win at Work and Succeed at Life is their manifesto on how you can achieve work-life balance and restore your sanity. So this has the five principles to rethink work and productivity from the ground up, and they share some of their simple and proven practices that enable you to slow down and reclaim your life. Now, when you read a book, you always know that your life is not exactly like the author's. And so Michael Hyatt is somebody who takes one month sabbaticals where he leaves the office and somebody else covers everything and he has the entire month off. That's probably not going to happen in my life right now as it is. But that doesn't mean I can't find ways of taking other shorter times off or something that is scheduled in for me to get away from all the work that demands something of me. I'm a freelancer, so I'm not in the corporate world. And yet, even as my own boss, my work-life balance can get completely out of control. So if you're looking for a resource that would help you with thinking about how to get that work-life balance in a better place, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of Win at Work and Succeed at Life. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes. That's all I have for you this week. I'm going to be talking about some of these concepts in our Life Repurpose community on Facebook. So I invite you to join me there. And then go to the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 105. And that's where you'll find links to the resource that I shared here. And you'll find other episodes where you can find many resources that I share in other episodes as well. So please check out michellerayburn.com for all of that. Have a great week and I will see you next week. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.